Thanks for joining us at the Montrose Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us at montrosechurch.org. Have a great day. Well, let's see. What do we do now? Just a couple of thoughts right at this moment. That is, number one, I pray we never feel like we are a church that can't have our kids just wander in and get up on the stage and sing and share. Amen? Amen. If we ever get too formal for that, something went wrong. And I pray we never get to the place that we don't feel like it's appropriate to stop and honor folks and just say thank you and to pray over people that are making the journey in life. I just think it matters. That said, John 8, 36 says, Whoever the Son sets free will be free indeed. Are you? Because I think sometimes in this course of life and in the stress that we live under and in the pressure that we live under, I'm not sure freedom... I'm not sure a sense of sort of lightness is a part of our everyday experience. And yet Jesus speaks to this very specifically. I have come that you might have life and that you might have it in abundance, that you might have it to the full, that you might experience the very best of what life has to offer you. I've come that you would understand some things, that you would see some things, that you would have insight into some things. And there's this haunting story in Luke 19. And it's the story of the triumphal entry. So Jesus is descending the Mount of Olives. If you ever go to Israel and you go to Jerusalem, generally the entry point is the Mount of Olives. Don't know why. That's kind of how we make the trip. And we go to that observation point up on the top of the Mount of Olives. And you've seen so many pictures because everybody, it's a mandatory picture spot. You have to have your photo taken there. You know, you stand there and the old city's in the background. And there's a guy with a camel. And, you know, I'm not making it up. And you take that photo, and then if you kind of move off to the right of that little platform, there's a, there's a little few steps, and then you're down onto this, the path of the triumphal entry. And you can descend now the Mount of Olives, kind of winding on this beautiful asphalt path. And it's pretty easy as you're kind of making that trip to, to just make your one side cemetery over there on the left side. It kind of descends the whole side of the Mount of Olives, and... Over here is just kind of a fence. There's not a lot over there on the right. And if you're not paying attention, you can find yourself at the bottom of the hill fairly quickly. And now you're down in the Garden of Gethsemane. You're at the Church of All Nations, the Rock of Agony where Jesus prayed. All that stuff's down at the bottom of the hill. And if you're not paying attention, you will pass by a gate. And the gate's always open. But so seldom do you sort of venture off down that path because, you know, you're on the trail of the triumphant entry. But if you did, you would find a little church. And the church is named after the moment that's recorded in Luke 19, where Jesus stopped and he looked over the city. In fact, if you go over there, the church is called the Dominus Flevit, the, the church where Jesus wept. You'll find another little observation place. You can kind of stand there and still look over the old city. You've descended a little bit. You're about halfway down the Mount of Olives. But this is the moment where Jesus, in verse 41 and 42, he looks over the city and he weeps. And he says, if you had only known on this day what would bring you peace. But now it's hidden from your eyes. It's a haunting little moment to me. 
and so easy to overlook. It's so easy to just go down and do the triumphal entry and get to the garden and, and not take that moment. And, and we often don't take that moment as a group. I wonder how many times in your journey and my journey that Jesus weeps those same words over you and over me, over our life, over our story. If you only you had known in this moment, on this day, what would bring you peace? But we're looking for it everywhere else. In fact, in this moment, what's happening is Jesus descends the hill as the people are shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They're shouting messianic words. And the messianic words mean you're the answer. You're the one, you're the long-awaited, you're the prince of peace. You're the wonderful counselor. You're the mighty God. You're him. You're it. You're all of it. You're the answer. <laughs> and the Pharisees say, you need to shut them up. And Jesus says, if they're quiet, the very rocks will cry out. Because what human beings so often fail to acknowledge and fail to understand, even the rocks understand, even the very fabric of creation holds this truth. You're the answer. You're the creator. You are the one. You are the Messiah. You are the Christ. And I wonder how many times in our daily walk, in our journey, in our, even today, when we think, why is there so little peace? Why do I feel so little rest? How much of it has to do with just acknowledging what would truly bring us peace? If you had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. I think it's descriptive of me so often. So often. The ancients talked about fear in ways that we don't relate to anymore. I'm not sure what it is about fear in our culture, but we believe that fear is a bad thing and we should never have it. Amen? And yet the ancients were somewhat more realistic about that. Proverbs 9.10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Knowledge of the Lord is the beginning of understanding. So when we stop and we think about that, uh, a couple of things. Our world is a world that is descriptive. So people in our world are constantly describing to you and describing to me what we should do in order for us to feel better. Amen? I saw this on Facebook yesterday. There's a doctor and he has millions of credentials. I mean, he tells you all the things that he is and the reasons he's an expert. And, uh, and in the video, he says, and I have discovered the key to health. It's down in the mitochondria of your DNA. And I've discovered how to unleash it so that you will lose weight. Listen, you will lose weight. You will have more energy. You'll sleep better. You'll be better looking. Okay, he didn't say that. Yeah, I mean, and I'm like, yeah, I hope it's a pill. I mean, I don't want it to be a program, just a pill would be good. Just I'll take it in the morning and that'll be awesome. I don't know what it is because it turns out you have to pay after a, yeah, I don't know how long the video, I, I quit after about five minutes, but I think it probably went on for another 10 or 15, just enticing me to somehow pay the price to watch the video so he can tell me the secret of how to change my mitochondria so I could be, you know, better. And that is our world, is it not? Here's how you ought to be better. If you'll do A, B, C, and D, you'll be better. Here's a prescriptive way. If you do X, and we will do almost anything to be better, won't we? I mean, come on. If we went around the room right now and I said, what do you do? What are you buying? What are you taking? 
What are you eating? What are you not eating? Because you want to be better. We would all have a story. We do weird stuff. You know, we do weird exercises. We do weird, pro we do weird stuff to feel better. Because we, somebody said, here's the prescriptive way that you can feel better. Do this, 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 and this, and you'll be better. And we're like, yeah. But the ancients weren't really so much like that. The ancients were philosophical in the sense that they were descriptive of life. They were descriptive of life. And so when they thought about fear, they didn't think about fear as being something that, you know, prescriptively, if you get rid of it, you'll feel better. They thought descriptively, here's what controls you. What you're afraid of has power over you. Pretty simple. The ancients are just like, hey, I know you don't want to talk about fear in your modern culture. I know it's not fashionable. I know what you'd like to do is get rid of all fear. But underlying that, whatever you're afraid of has power over you. So the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Because when you fear the Lord, then you find out that he's a loving father. This one who, and Jesus speaks to it directly. You've heard it said to be afraid of those who can kill the body. I say don't be afraid of those that can kill the body. Be afraid of the ones that have some control over your soul. That's where your attention ought to be. Because when you lean into this fear of the Lord, what do you find? Grace, mercy. I mean, who, who expects this? Who expects this? Who expects that the one who has the most power loves us the most? Who expects that the one who actually has control over your destiny and mine, over our daily lives, over how we live and how we live in a way that is abundant, is also gracious and loving and describes himself as a father that we are allowed to say Abba to, Daddy to live in this intimate space with. So this fear of the Lord, the beginning of with the understanding of God. And how many of us are like, well, in our culture, Christianity and faith, that's, a, that's right up there with horoscopes and some other stuff. Wasn't that different in Jesus' day? So that he begins to speak and teach into this very place where people live. What they fear, how they process, what their daily lives look like. How they are understanding the things that are happening around them. And that's what happened as he moves down into the latter part of the Sermon on the Mount. So just as a review, this series, seriously, is about the Sermon on the Mount. And because of the way Matthew constructs it, and I won't go back through all of that. But because of the way Matthew constructs it, what we understand is here are the core teachings of Jesus. From a rabbinic sense, if you wanted to talk about it in a sense of the oracle, the speaking of someone on behalf of the gods, then, and God, in this case, is, you know, it is the gospel writers using colloquial terms to talk about the God. I think I told you this, you know, we, when we did the first Sunday, we had a little caption where the, uh, participating in the joy of the gods are those who... Because that's what the Beatitudes say, the literal language. It's a colloquial term. And because we used the colloquial term and it had a little G-God and I didn't get to explain it, then I got a lot of emails and people were like, did we become a pluralistic church over the weekend? No. It's just that the language being used was from the culture where they talked about God's little G. But now Jesus is saying God, this capital G, the, the God. It's a monotheistic religion, just so we're clear and so he's thinking and talking about what this means 
from an oracle perspective, from a rabbinic perspective, but also then these are the core teachings that Jesus taught and would continue to teach. So in the Sermon on the Mount are the things that come up again and again and again in the teachings of Jesus. And here in the latter section, uh, chapter 6, verse 16, is a chunk of teaching about practical life and what it means to be seriously free. Listen to it. It's kind of a long reading, but it seems like that's a good thing. When you fast, don't look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to others that you're fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father, who sees what's done in secret, will reward you. Don't store up treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven where the moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body's full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then that light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one or love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You can't serve both God and money. Therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you'll eat or drink, or about your body, what you'll wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, but your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They don't labor or spin, but I tell you, Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like, was, in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. Not even Solomon, and I'm going to try to read the words now. Not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If this is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So don't worry asking, what shall we eat? What shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Amen? Amen. If only you had known what would bring you peace. But now it's hidden from your eyes. I think there are six distinct things that Jesus is talking about in this very practical piece of the teaching. And before you sort of turn off on it, because I, 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 I know that down here at ground level, when Jesus says, don't worry about what you're going to wear, and don't worry about your food, and don't worry about life, you're all like, well, somebody better worry about it. <laughs> Amen? Because down here at ground level, there's a great deal of our life spent taking care of those issues. And sometimes when you see people that aren't taking care of those issues, you wish they would. <laughs> Amen? <laughs> give it a little more energy. Give it a little more thought. A little more time into that. But Jesus is sort of raising the level of existence. And he's saying, you could live down there on the ground floor and your whole life can be devoted to that. But that is not where you get seriously free. That's where you get seriously caught up in things that don't matter as much. And you can start to think that those ground level things are what life's about. Just getting enough money to buy enough food, to get some clothes, to eat some things, to prepare some things, to clean up the dishes, to go to work tomorrow, to get some more money, to pay some more bills, to get to... And you go, why am I so unhappy? 
because that's not what life's about. It's just a necessary part of it. It's just a necessary piece to sustain what life's really about. And that's what Jesus is talking about. Six things I think he highlights. Number one, don't worry about appearances. Don't worry about appearances. So he's saying, you know, it seems like what has happened is the Pharisees have taken on this process where if we look very spiritual and we speak very spiritually and we look like we're suffering for our spirituality, then it seems like, you know, that people will think we're very spiritual and that that matters. And so then we begin to pattern our lives in ways. Now, I don't think we do that anymore. I don't think that's current in our culture. I don't think that any of us want to, you know, put on sackcloth and ashes and look like we're really, and we want to signal all of our friends and family that we're fasting. Because that would not be merit in our culture. Amen? But to say that we do not worry about appearances would be false, wouldn't it? Especially in our day and age of social media. In which we are terribly concerned. And here's the real thing that Jesus is talking about. How much time do you live in fear of what people think about you? How much time do you give to the energy of what they might be thinking or how it might look? How much time and energy is poured into this idea that I care deeply about what others think? I love this quote from Dallas Willard. If we honestly compare the amount of time in church spent thinking about what others think or might think with the amount of time spent thinking about what God is thinking, we would, be, we would probably be shocked. Whatever our position in life, if our lives and work are to be the, of the kingdom of God, we must not have human approval as a primary or even major aim. We must lovingly allow people to think whatever they will. Let me just spend a moment here. In the last two years, people have become emboldened to speak up about how the church needs to control what everybody thinks. Pastor, if you don't say it and you don't tell people what to think, then we're not doing the work of God. Hmm. Later in this passage, Jesus is going to say, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all the other things will be taken care of. You don't have to be swung around by the political climate. You don't have to be swung around by COVID or the pandemic. You don't have to be swung around by that stuff. We are loyal to something that is far different than that. And at some point, we're going to do our very best to seek the kingdom of God, and we're going to let people think whatever they think. Amen. We're going to do our very best, Amen. imperfect as it might be, to humbly seek His will on earth as it is in heaven to the best of our ability. And then we're going to let people think whatever it is they think. We are not the thought police. We are here to lead. And you are not the thought police. What your children think, what others think, they're going to think what they think. We, with humility, will seek to be honoring to God. And we will let them think what they think. Because what you fear has power. And there's a lot of us that are wasting life. If only you had known what would bring you peace. But now it's hidden from your eyes. And why is it hidden from your eyes? Because you're worried about a lot of stuff. Because <laughs> this stuff emotionally matters. Because when someone says something or does something that's demeaning to us, 
that, that, that impinges on our sense of self-worth. We hurt. And God's simply saying, I get it. I get it. <laughs> so maybe you don't worry so much about appearances. You just don't worry because that can become its own God. Now, I know when I say this that for a lot of us, we're like, yeah, that's not me. I'm good. Can you get to point two? You've belabored it long enough. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> that one didn't help me a lot. I hope number two is better than number one. But would you do this for me? As you go out into this week, would you make a note every time you find yourself worried about what somebody else might be thinking or how it might appear? Or what? I would guess that it's probably a bigger deal than you think it is. It's probably a bigger deal than you think it is. And in a day of social media, when we parade our best in front of everyone else, what exactly is that? Because I don't know if you know this, but most of life is not what you see in the pictures on Facebook <laughs> or Instagram or whatever else. Those are posed moments. And it seems like we run on that energy in our culture and our world. How does it look? How does it appear? <laughs> what is it about? Jesus says it's some level. Number two, don't treasure what's breakable. Don't store up for yourself treasures on earth where moss and vermin destroy. Jathani writes these words. When Jesus says, don't lay up for yourself treasures on earth, but lay up for yourself treasures in heaven, we've been conditioned to think of these treasures as future rewards. We assume that this is a call to delayed, to delayed gratification. We assume what Jesus means is rather than enjoying your life now, serve God in His kingdom, and you'll be really well off in the age to come. But Jesus is speaking of something different here. He's talking about a treasure that's accessible to us right now, and that treasure is the presence of God in our lives. We don't have to wait for some future time. The treasure is with us now. The question is, how much do we value it? Because what happens to us in our life and in our story and in our process is life perpetuates itself in a way that we must sustain so much that it's temporary. Amen? I don't know what happens to you when there's an earthquake. We haven't had one in a while. But I find that, you know, what I do with my time a lot is I take care of my house. I fix stuff. I, I tinker around. I waste enormous amounts of time. Honestly. I mean, I very often will do a repair, and actually we're worse off at the end than we were at the beginning. Is it just me? I mean... I mean, honestly, that is so true. Uh, it still doesn't work. You know what we need to do? Spend some more money. That's what, you know what would fix it? More money. You know. So, but I don't know what happens to you when there's an earthquake, but this is what happens to me. You know, when that house that you live in and you work on, you spend time on, is moving around like that, you know, and you're, it's like doing this right here. I get this really big moment of maybe this isn't really as permanent as I think it is. <laughs> maybe, maybe this isn't worth all the time and energy and worry that I'm putting into this thing that seemed solid a minute ago, but you know, right now, it doesn't seem all that solid to me. <laughs> Thinking about people who were watching this at home and the sound was off. <laughs> I think Pastor Dave's having a stroke. He's either dancing in the spirit or he's having a medical emergency. I don't know. 
But it reminds me, uh, so much of what I spend my time and energy on is temporary. So much of what occupies my energy and my thoughts and my worries is it's also very temporary. And Jesus is simply saying, listen, don't, don't, hear how many of you are afraid of the future? I mean, if, if I just, you don't have to raise your hands, but, you know, uh, you can raise your hands at home because we won't see you, but how many of us, we, when we look, when we live in this world and we hear about climate change and we hear about and we observe the political climate in which we live and we're, we're observing the, the things that are going on in the world that we thought we had outgrown, you know, one country is invading another and, and atrocities are being committed and we thought we had gotten mature enough and we thought NATO and United Nations and all of those things were going to keep us from being stupid, but they're not. <laughs> they're not. And Jesus is simply saying to a group of people who had their own sets of worries about the future, he's saying to them, listen, you can worry about, you can try to get your whole life all orderly and structured and organized, but here's the gift I have for you. It's a treasure from heaven. It is my presence, and wherever the future is, I'll go with you. Whatever it looks like, whatever you encounter, whatever you face, whatever's coming, I'll be with you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. And oh, by the way, life, death, things present, things to come, powers, principalities, none of them can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. So sit there and rest there. And don't invest yourself in things that are breakable because that's a quick way to forfeit freedom and forfeit peace. Number three, see the world through light eyes. Jesus is speaking about this reality that the lenses through which you look at the world will define a whole lot about the darkness or the light inside of you. And the question is, how do you look at the world? How do you see? What lenses do you see? Because you can look at the world through dark lenses, which see suspicion and bad motives and darkness. And if you're listening to the news and you, you, know, you spend a lot of time ingesting the stuff that's being given to us, then, then the, the storyline is this. The world is a mess and people are a mess and people are unjust and they're ungracious and they're unkind. Do you see the world that way? Do you see people that way? Or do you look through lenses of light? The world is full of beauty and it's full of grace and it's full of goodness. I had this experience just, uh, we've been traveling, we just got back from a, a trip uh, in Eastern Europe and we flew, 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 you know, your body doesn't know what time it is. We landed at LAX and it's time to get your luggage. You're at that very last point, you're ready to go home, you know, and just, uh, and the luggage is slow and you know how people are, you know, they're always like, ah, oh, this is my spot at the luggage counter. There's a whole carousel. <laughs> you know, why do you have to come here? So um, we're waiting, and luggage is coming, and I see this woman, and she's chasing her bag and, you know, trying to break through people, and her bag is getting away from her, you know. And so I'm like, is this yours? Yeah, yeah. So pick it up, set it down. She was a German woman. She didn't speak a lot of English. She said, thank you. I said, you're welcome. She left. Lucky woman. We waited and waited. Our bags were the last off the plane. I don't know. Get early for the flight so we can stick your bag at the back. <laughs> Travel tip. So we waited. It took a long time for our bags to come out. Finally got them. Got all settled around, and I felt somebody tap me on the shoulder. I turned around, and here's this lady. 
I just wanted to say thank you for getting my bag. Really? Really, you came all the way back here just to say thank you for getting your bag? What lenses are you looking through? Because it turns out, we just traveled all over the world. It turns out there's nice people everywhere. Gracious people everywhere. Don't speak your language. Nice to you. Know you're an American. Nothing better than traveling in Europe with a big tag around you. You know, tourist, got your whisper, got your airphone. You know, we do all this stuff. You know, I'm not wearing those shoes. I'll look like a tourist. Yeah. It's the shoes that are going to give you away. And yet people know, you, you know the, I mean, you just might as well wear a sign. I'm from the United States. And they're nice to you anyway. They're nice to you anyway. Help you, smile at you. And if you see the world through that lens, then what's inside you is light. But if you see through lenses that are dark, then the darkness inside is deep. And in our culture, we are being fed a steady diet of darkness. And we have to fight for our freedom. I'm going to see the world through lenses of light. Through lenses of light. Okay, we've got to hurry. Keep it simple, he says. No one can serve two masters. Jesus is just saying this. Listen, there's so much in life that's temporary. There's so much in life that's passing by. If you buy into material things, I'm going to serve that. I'm going to do that. That's what my life is going to be. I'm going to perpetuate my existence. I've got to get more money. I've got to get security. I've got to pay off the debts. I've got to get some clothes. I've got to buy some food. I've got to eat it. I've got to cook it. I've got to... This is my whole life. That's why he's saying, down here at this level, don't worry about what you're going to eat. Yeah, some debt, you've got to think about it. But up on this level, that is not what your life is about. That is not what you serve. That is not how you make out the days of your being. That's just a necessary part so you can look up. This all allows you to look at, the light, at, the, at life through the lenses of light and to serve a Savior who loves you and has a plan for you. Number five, don't live in scarcity. He basically just says there's enough resource. Don't worry about this. Did you think about the flowers? Did you think about Solomon? All of that, there's just put, this is the God of resource. And I'm not talking about, you know, the, the theory of attraction here, that if you think positively, then lots of positive things will happen to you. That's probably true at some level, I don't know. But it's not a formula, amen? And we know that. Just because you work hard and just because you do all the right things doesn't mean that you'll get rewarded in a material way, amen? You might do everything right and get nothing. In fact, you might get, do everything right and lose everything because it happens to people. And so what Jesus says is just this, just, you know what? You got, you're going to have to figure out a way to keep it simple. You're going to have to figure out a way to not think in terms of scarcity, that there's plenty of resource to go around. And here's where it really starts to hit home. In the last two years, we have sort of pulled in. We've sort of pulled in. We, we, we restricted our lives. We were under siege. You know, there's a disease out there. There's a pandemic. We're going to hunker down. And now that it's time to sort of open up again, we don't think we have enough resource to open up again. There's scarcity. I don't have enough emotional energy. I don't have enough time. I don't have enough... Now that I have had to do almost nothing for a while, it turns out I'm good at it. 
So we live in a culture that is dying for lack of connection and relationship. And what are we doing about it? I don't have enough. I don't have enough resource to reach out. I don't have enough resource to do that. I don't have enough resource to go there. I, don't have, I can't. There's scarcity. And Jesus is saying, you know what? Freedom is when you get out. When, you, when you're locked in and you start to look and you get an introspective and all, you know, you, you're getting bound. Fear is binding and binding and binding and binding. There's no scarcity. Ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. In the same measure that you give, it will be given unto you. This principle goes on and on. There is no scarcity. I should take an offering now. Number six, remember what brings you peace and remember what brings you freedom. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Do we believe that? Seek first. Say, keep it simple. Seek first. Seek first. Sometimes I think in our darkest moments, Jesus weeps over us. If only you had known what would bring you peace. But now it's hidden from your eyes. You've let all these other things distract you. You've let all these other things become bigger than they are, uh, stronger than they are. You fear them. You fear this instead of this. This won't serve you well. It won't serve you well. This is a God of grace and love and mercy a loving heavenly father the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom let's pray God as we think about what it means to be seriously free we know that you intend for our lives to be full of love and grace and mercy you've intended it in such a way that you provided it for us you poured it out on us you, you lived it out in a way and then said, a new command I give you, that you love one another the way I have loved you. I pray that as we sing these closing words and we think about the goodness of God, that we would celebrate that. That we would be genuinely in the sense of what that means and the truth of it. And that you would shift our focus. And that as we go out of this place, we, we could hear you sort of praying over us. I want you to know what would bring you peace. I want you to know what would bring you peace. I want you to know what you would bring you peace and that we would look up. And maybe in these closing moments, we would lay down a few things that have caused us fear, that have control over us. We would let it go and invite you and your freedom and your peace and your grace to reign in our hearts. May it be so, we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said together, Amen. Will you stand as we respond to the word? Thanks for joining us at the Montrose Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us at www.montrosechurch.org. Have a great day.